Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Claire. And welcome to My, My Mate, Mate Reckons, the show where we teach you and each other about whatever you want to know about. About whatever things we're curious about. I don't think there's any more. There might be a, t- a tiny bit of a sprinkling, a seasoning of swearing. Yeah, we talk a little bit about um, potential... <gasps> Blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> we do talk about a little bit of sprinkling of blowjobs. We talk a little bit about a suspected, oh God, a, a suspected suicide yes. attempt, but um, we don't go into any detail about that because it's not a thing. Um we talk about uh, for our we talk about First Nations we history and the trauma of of that. Um, we talk about beaches. We do talk not about... the Leonardo DiCaprio film. <laughs> uh, I love that All Saints song that came from that film. That film I didn't vibe. That's Bette Midler and Leo DiCaprio, isn't it? Have I got that right? Oh, you have combined. <laughs> You've combined. The <laughs> fundamental, <laughs> somewhat gendered to a female binary film, Beaches, with Leonardo DiCaprio? Is that what you've just done? Somehow. They're two separate movies about beaches. Okay. Well, turns out I'm not gay after all. Hi there, Clever. Hello, David. This week, you asked me about Harold Holt. I did. What do you already know about Harold Holt? He disappeared. Correct. And that is it. What else do you know about it? You know what? at least one other oh, thing Oh, he's a prime minister. He's a prime minister. And yeah. he went to the beach. Correct. And then no one... Harry! Went for a swim. Harry, where are you? Yeah, and then just gone. Dead. But I don't know if he was still the Prime Minister. I don't know if they have discovered anything about him. Right. I don't know anything. Well... I don't even really know when this is. This is in... That's a very good question. <laughs> it's in It's in 67. Okay. Is when he disappears. Um, and he is actively Prime Minister when he disappears. He is absolutely actively oh Prime God. Minister when he disappears. Um, and he is... Um, when did he start? He started... He was a Liberal Prime Minister. Okay. Um, and he started... Oh, the urge to not <laughs> speak ill will. <laughs> he did fight in World War Two as well. Okay. So he's... he's, he's um, he has some PTSD. Yeah. We'll blame it on that. He was only in office... He was in office for about two years. Okay. He was in office... Two weeks and went... <laughs> I made a terrible error. Two years. Okay. He was, he, was, he was in there from Australia Day or Invasion Day in 1966. Yeah. And then he disappeared on the 19th of December, 1967. 19th of December. Okay. He was... Rem- he's remembered, obviously, for the weirdness of his disappearance... But it's really important. If, well, not important. It's Listen, this is one of those things where it's like, the simplest explanation is that he went for a swim at the beach and drowned. Yeah. But of course, there's loads of conspiracy theories of about course. what happened um, that make it good fun. Um, <laughs> the death of this innocent person. Because <laughs> that's all we care about, making it fun. Um, Was he a good prime minister? Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Okay. Um, 
This was also around the time... He beat Gough Whitlam. Gough Whitlam would end up becoming the Prime Minister. And Gough Whitlam would become the first Labour Prime Minister for something like... For 40-something years. Right. So Holt is kind of the last... uh, I want to say erection for the Liberal Party for for decades. Um, He was... You know, he's been said as a kind of, dom- in terms of domestic policy, as a centrist. Yeah. So he certainly was an extremist dude. Obviously, we're talking about the late 1960s, so a lot is lot is um, yeah. happening uh, around the world. America's heading to Vietnam. We're going to Vietnam, yeah. We're in the crux of the civil rights yes. movement. Um, and one of the, one of the many kind of, foreign or international policies that's on his desk is, will Australia follow America into the Vietnam War? Yeah. Um, and he had said, yes, the the president at the time was LBJ, President yep. Johnson, and the catch cry at the time was, all the way with LBJ, which sounds which... like... <laughs> <laughs> all the way to a BJ. <laughs> all the way to a licky blowjob. <laughs> All the way with LBJ. That's my motto in life. All the way to a consensual. To consensual blowjob. Yes. Care for a blowy. Um, <laughs> one... Okay, so he said, yes, we are going to go all the way he with said, LBJ. Yes, Interestingly, or not interesting, but just as a like footnote to who he was, um, the, white, um, the white Australia policy was still in... Um, it was still in... Yes, 1960... Kind of it was Nine? um 1968 yeah so it was after him that it was officially um kind of uh broken up and for those people who don't know what that is yes so the white australia policy is a really famous um awful bit of australian political history mm. where it was explicitly racist kind of immigration policy that um that favoured very much immigration from white countries um, or or countries where if you had um, white-coloured skin and you spoke English, then that was okay, you were safe. If you were not, then um, there was all kinds of awful, awful discriminatory kind of measures put in against you. Mm. Um, Awful. Luckily, that doesn't happen anymore. And Australia has a really (laughs) great non-racially biased... Um, immigration policy. Um, it also impacted our First Nations people in yes, horrendously. their capacity to vote in this country. Yes. And they weren't allowed to. There's yes. a bunch of other like corrupt and very fucked for yes. the fact that so-called Australia is on stolen land. Correct. Um, <sighs> but we are dealing in the time where this kind of stuff is getting talked about more. It's yes. not just excused as normal because in the states, obviously, in nineteen sixty, in, in like nineteen, in late nineteen sixties, yeah. where the white Australia policy it didn't just disappear overnight. The truth is, it was it was slowly dismantled over some yeah. years. Yeah. Um, so in March nineteen sixty six, the residency requirement for naturalisation was changed to a uniform five years. So you had to be here for five years before yeah. you could. It had previously been fifteen years for non-whites. Oh, God. But if you were white, then it was only five years. Discriminatory provisions relating to family reunification were also removed. Right. This is the sort of thing that, just by the by, Scott Morrison um, is a fan of now. In 2014, Scott Morrison invented with his department um, something called the Temporary Protection Visa, which is what we were offering to the Afghanistani refugees recently as well. 
And one factor is that um, you can't uh, reunite with your family. Yeah. Which which was a hallmark of the white Australia policy as well. Because the idea is that you will want to go home. Yes. And then you won't be able to come back. Yeah, so your fam- Australia. If you're here, your family can't come here. It's so violent yeah. and hideous. But um while still under a liberal prime minister, it it, it it's often Gough Whitlam who historically gets because he was a lefty. Yeah. He historically gets um a lot of credit for dismantling the white Australia policy. An uncomfortable bit of history for us lefties is in fact that a lot of the white Australia policy was being dismantled in those in those late years of the Liberal Party and in particular Harold Holt's prime ministership. Right. Because some people might be surprised to learn that a, a, a couple of thousand um, Asian immigrants were instantly granted Australian citizenship. Um, From Vietnam? No. In that those people had been waiting 15 years, and when it was reduced to five, they were like, okay, now I can be a citizen. Right, Um, Additionally, Immigration Minister at the time, Hubert Opperman, announced that potential immigrants to Australia would be assessed solely on the basis of their suitability as settlers, their ability to integrate readily, and their possession of qualifications, which are in fact positively useful to Australia. Yeah. Non-whites had previously had to demonstrate that they were, quote, highly qualified and distinguished to gain entry. Fucking hell. So, make no mistake, the policy is still still fucking racist. The policy is still the same. But we've started to soften the language. I'm not trying to give credit where credit's due. Like, it's still fucking abhorrent. But we're in this interesting moment in Australia where where the conversation around multiculturalism and, and particularly around First Nations rights and so on is starting to... Make. We're a couple of years away from that famous picture, that famous moment of Gough Whitlam putting a handful of sand into Vincent Lingari's yeah. hand yeah. in some kind of really first official institutional recognition at of all. Of our history. Of our history. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. A complicated bit. Yeah, we're close to that at this point. At this point. The complicated bit is that in 1967, the Holt government amended the constitution um, and this gave them the power to legislate specifically for Indigenous Australians and First Nations Australians. So that means that the government, it's a pro and a con. The pro is that they've been recognised as people. Yeah. The con is that they're now entirely... (laughs) Like being legislated by, by white, white people. privileged men. Um, it meant that they were counted in the census for the first time. Um, and and it, it was, because it was a change to the constitution that had to happen, it went to a referendum. So all of Australia voted and it passed with over 90% of the vote. And it remains the largest referendum majority in our history. Um, to include First Nations people in our constitution. Yes, correct. Um... Holt personally considered the amendments unnecessary and mostly symbolic, but thought they would be well-received by the international community, particularly Australia. According to Barry Dexter, he was privately shocked by the referendum result, having been uncertain that it would even pass. Oh. Mm. So there you go. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So look, he's, you know, yeah. I mean, he's that dude. Um, interestingly, for us... He's the guy that made the Australia Council for the oh. Arts. 1967, it was one of his last 
major policy kind of things, he established the National Gallery of Australia and the Australia Council for the Arts. So, so Harold, Harold vibed some art. Harold vibed some art, apparently. Uh, so there you go. Um, so he was in foreign policy. He was making moves in Asia. He was starting to build those relationships that would turn out to be very important in the decades to come, and particularly now. Yeah. He started... Um, Holt's first overseas trip was to um, Malaysia, Singapore, South Vietnam, and Thailand. He toured Cambodia, South Korea, Laos, Taiwan in 1967, and he had planned to go to Burma, India, Indonesia, Japan, and Pakistan in 1968. Wow. So he really saw it. He was aware and a bit ahead of the curve um, and Whitlam was too, to give him credit. It was becoming clear at this point in history that it was going to turn into um, the, the, the Asian yeah. continent was going to be very, very important in the decades yes. to come. And so December 19, he goes to the beach. So he's on it. You just want to get to the juicy bit. So all, all of that is set up for this moment where he goes to the beach, all is well. He's on a holiday. It's the 17th of December. He's having fun, um, and he knows this beach, apparently, and his health was fine. Um, he uh, he was all good. 17th of December, a Sunday, he um, has breakfast. He phones his wife. He's with some mates. Uh, he drives to a local store, and he buys insect repellent, peanuts, and the weekend newspapers. Yeah. All of this by way of saying that it would be... This is all weird behaviour for a suicidal person. Yeah. Um, and it's all very weird behaviour for someone who knows that they're about to disappear. <laughs> or is it? Yeah. Um, uh, like, is Harold Holt just hanging out with Princess Diana and... Some, and Elvis. And Elvis, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he came back home, he made plans for the day, and he was going to visit Point Nepean and have a barbecued lunch... And then do some fishing in the afternoon. He had four mates. He travelled out to Point Nepean. Um, he was accompanied by Marjorie Gillespie. Right, all these mates. Blah, blah, blah. So on the drive back to Portsea, he suggests, spontaneously apparently, to stop and swim at this beach, Chiviet Beach. It was around a quarter past twelve. He wanted to cool down and apparently work up an appetite before lunch. He knew the area well. Had swum there many times before. Um... He'd even gone diving at that particular point as well and had managed to, um, like, swim around a shipwreck there, which is important for one of the conspiracy theories. Right. He didn't hesitate before entering the water. There was a large swell and visible currents and eddies and it was visibly rough, like it was rough seas. Um, he went with one other mate. One other mate said, yeah, I'll go in, you. I'll go in with you. He was a man by the name of Alan Stewart. Stuart stayed close to shore and even in the shallows because he felt a strong undertow. However, Holt swam into deeper water and was dragged out to sea. The others called out to him. He did not raise his arm or cry for help. He soon slipped out of the waves and out of sight. And that was it. And his body, he is nothing. He has never been heard from or seen. No trace. Nothing. So they saw him. His friends saw him. Being taken out to sea. And they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? Gone. Gone. That's even weirder. It's weird. Because I thought it was like he went for a swim on his own. No. But they saw him go, really. They, um, so 
Obviously, his mate starts panicking, drives to a nearby army training facility. It was virtually deserted. Most of the people were on annual leave at that time of the year. Um, but he manages to find um, the Victoria Police somewhere around there. And uh, at 1.30, the um, search begins. It was the biggest search for a body at that point in Australian history ever. Three amateur divers um, went in almost immediately at that 1.30 mark, but they gave up saying it's too rough. Like, yeah. they, they couldn't do it. They were joined by helicopters, watercraft, police divers, two naval divers teams. Um, and at the end of the day, there were 190 people involved in the search. Um, and eventually that increased to 340 people. Oh, my um, God. There were 50 divers focusing on the rock pool and ledges. There were another 50 looking out deep at the sea. They were free diving to avoid injury. They, were, they had all this equipment as well, and they would go... Anyway, so... Uh, and after a couple of days, um, they they said it's um, done. Like, we, he's, he's gone. gone. And that was that. And he's never been found. There was an inquest. It's a dolphin. It's a dolphin. We know about from whatever episode... <laughs> That is, the dolphin... Fucking evil dolphin. ...has stolen him and put him into an underwater cave. That's my theory. Um, so... Imagine if we just get news that ScoMo... ScoMo disappeared. Well, you can understand... on a beach with his family in fucking Hawaii. You can understand why it's such an imprint. We all know, all Australians know that there was this Prime Minister, and that's about all we know, that he... He died by drowning. He goes for a swim and is never seen again. So there are a couple of interesting conspiracy theories. Okay. Anybody who's sensible, including formal police investigations, including um, another inquiry in 2004... Wow. ...said that there's no doubt that... This is an accident? It's an accident as drowning. He yeah. overestimated his own ability, yeah. under as many thousands of Australians do every year, yeah. sometimes with tragic consequences. Yeah. And with that, everybody around him said, no, any kind of like suicidal thing is weird. Yeah. So there's a couple of big conspiracy theories that have um, uh, hung around. Okay. Russia. No. Russian dolphins. No, Russian Russia wasn't... <laughs> despite the fact that Russia, we were in the Cold War, Russia, oddly, doesn't appear. One of the thoughts was that he had... Because it's not like he is um, ruffling big feathers either. Like, he's not really well, upsetting people. You say that, but it was an incredibly um, full-on time, particularly for America. America was in sure. its hate. America had just come out of the House of Un-American Activities where there was this age of paranoia about people who were communists. Yep. Australia wanted to be friends with the United States, as we still do. Ugh. And um, when America said we're going into Vietnam... All the way with LBJ. All the way with LBJ. And it was incredibly... Con- that decision, as we know from history, is incredibly contentious yes. for for anybody to go over and start the Vietnam War, yep. let alone for Astro- Aussies to join um, American troops. And, of course, the Vietnam War would affect many Australians tragically. Yep. So it still does. There was There's an, a level of PTSD absolutely. and trauma that our country and mostly young men felt across both lines. So there was a um, 
this incredible pressure and there were some incredibly unsubstantiated rumours that um, Holt was considering pulling out of Vietnam. Right. Because Australians were things, right? So this triggers a few conspiracies. This is the CIA. Yes. That the CIA had secretly somehow assassinated him, which is another conspiracy that turns up with Gough Whitlam. Right. Gough Whitlam has this incredibly interesting journey as Prime Minister, and he's the only Prime Minister ever to be fired by the Governor-General. If you haven't listened to a great podcast, it's called The Eleventh, and it's fantastic. And one one of the conspiracy theories that it suggests, I think with some more validity than what Harold Holt suggests, is that the CIA or America fucked around with the Australian election or pulled some levers and talked to the Governor-General. The Governor-General had a separate relationship with America and Gough Whitlam was kind of a bit anti-America. And the CIA, this is when there's conspiracy theories around did the CIA kill or the FBI kill Martin Luther King? Yeah. And what was all that? And like, you know, there's all, we're in an age where... Is JFK around that time? JFK's a bit before, tiny bit before. So it's like, we are very much in this age where American law enforcement institutions... Are just killing people. Are very, very suspicious. So did the CIA assassinate him? Maybe. Almost definitely not. (laughs) But that's what the conspiracy theory is. could have Could be. There's also a suggestion that he was killed by a North Vietnamese... Spy? Right. There's a suggestion that he faked his own death to run away with another girl, which is fairly unsubstantiated. I like that story. The story that gets the most juice, because there's an entire book about it, is published by a journalist called Anthony Gray. It's published in 1983. Anthony Gray said that he has a um, insider information. He knows someone, a source, who starts telling him information, and he's protected the source always. But there's all these unsubstantiated claims that come about. But his thing was that he was a spy for China the whole time, Holt, and was a secret communist, had set things up in Australia a certain way, things had gone wrong, and then he dived to a waiting Chinese submarine. I love it. Boarded the submarine and defected to China. I love it. I hope that's true. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if we found out? I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I hope I hope that that is true. It's just nuts. Because how good old fun. was he when he passed away? Uh, good question. <laughs> uh, and uh, how old would he be now? He is... He was... Oh, fuck. He was 59 when he died. Okay, so what's that? He'd be in his eighties. Yeah, yeah. So he was still, born. He was to be alive. He was. He was born in nineteen oh eight. So no, oh. probably not. He'd be well over a hundred now. No. Okay. He'd be like a hundred and fifteen or something. So um, yeah, not not probably not living. So he died very happy in China with his we assume. beautiful Chinese girlfriend. We assume. <laughs> yeah. Great. Having set up everything perfectly for China to take over Australia, I guess. <laughs> Which we all know happened. It was and, a flawless um, plan. Flawless. And thank God um, Pauline Hansen came in to sort it all out in the night. Oh, God. Um, so there you go. As uh, part of me, I mean, Australian history is really, we have this great cultural amnesia, as we know, and we don't know the truth of it. But then there's enough 
it speaks to the character of Australia that we we have these weird stories. Like yeah. this is a weird moment. Yeah. There's these weird anecdotes. Like the Emu War is another one. There's yeah. these weird like anecdotes about our history. Episode just something odd. in there. There was an early one. The Emu War. It was number twelve. I want to say. Oh my god, you're so good. I'm so autistic. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our neurodivergent, which listeners. we love, by the way. Um, what uh, what have you learned this week, Clipper? I have, yeah, there's these pockets of information that we just don't know much about. No. And that we will never actually know. No. What happened. I, th- I think he passed away. I think the he inherent, the inherent, like, nature of storytelling makes us want to believe that he was an, an excellent diver who dived <laughs> to a submarine. To a submarine and got. Out. Uh, Sean Connery and but James Bond. He probably just got caught in a rip and unfortunately passed away. Yeah. And his friends had to see that, which is deeply traumatic. Yeah. And awful. And his poor wife getting a phone call. Yeah. To kind of go, oh, we went for a swim and it went terribly. Yeah. So that is a bit shit. Be careful on beaches, friends. Be careful on beaches. Well, on that note. <laughs> Please don't go for a swim at Chevy Beach. I want to go there. I want to see the beach. Surely there's a plaque or something. Surely there's a tree or a <laughs> plaque. <laughs> Surely. That's what Australians do, don't we? We plant yeah. a fucking tree. That's right. Well. Well, thanks for being ooh, Thanks for being my mate, David. <laughs> thanks for being my mate, so Claire. Bit. shocked by the mystery. <laughs> listening to the show if you'd like to leave a rating and review on whatever service you're listening to this please on, do that would be great that'd be great tell, tell your friends tell your mates that's right that's the name of the show i see what you did there <laughs> where can people find you claire? people can find me on instagram at claire and pearl where can people find you dave people can find me at dave burton writer and if you have a suggestion or a question or would like to point out how much Claire got wrong. <laughs> or how much Dave got wrong. Then you can write us an email at mymatereckons at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.